So Jeannie Devon. Thank you. So four years ago, my life was boring and uh, it was nice. And my husband and I own a little retail store here in town and part of my nightly ritual after work, I would go home and have a glass of wine and email a friend of mine back and forth and we had this daily correspondence. And as I began to pay more and more attention to politics in Alaska, my emails began to reflect this and they started becoming more and more uh, political. And I got an email from her one time after a particularly long rant, um, which I sort of felt was an escape strategy on her part. And she said, you know, I think you should have a blog. <laughs> and so I thought, okay, I've heard of blogs. I wasn't really sure what they were, how they worked. Um, but I did a little bit of research and um, I found a little template and I messed around one night and I put together this sort of framework of this blog and then I just needed something to write. So it did not take long before my muse arrived in the form of Don Young. <laughs> and Don Young had voted no on a bill which would honor mothers and the concept of motherhood on Mother's Day. And I don't think that Don Young dislikes his mother or my mother or anybody's mother, but it was, it was one of those political maneuvering to stall something else, and it just, it, it was enough for me. And I said, all right, I'm just going to do my little thing. So I put up this little post about Don Young, and I clicked publish, and then I went back to look to see if it was really there, and there it was on my screen, and I thought, that was kind of fun. <laughs> and... Um, the next day I went back and I was looking sort of in the back room and trying to figure out how all this worked and I saw a button that said statistics. So I clicked on the statistics button and as far as I could tell, there had been actually two people, not me, who had read what I had to say about Don Young and I couldn't believe it. I thought, oh my, how did they find it? What did they think? It was just strange and mysterious. So then I wrote another post about Ted Stevens and another post about Sarah Palin and one about Pebble Mine. And I just kind of started writing and I noticed that my numbers were starting to increase and there were eight people and then 10 people. And I thought, well, they must be coming back. They must like it, I guess. And eventually I got up to about 250 people which I had read is sort of the natural size of a human tribe. So I was like, I have a tribe! I couldn't believe it, it was so exciting. So, and then I started to think, well, who are these people? I don't even know where they are. Are they in Alaska? Are they outside? I don't know, but I sort of felt beholden to them. And I thought, if they keep coming back, then they must have some kind of expectation that I'm gonna continue to do this. And so I had fun with it when I could in my spare time. And then August 29th, 2008 happened, and I'm sure all of you remember where you were at that time, and I was sleeping, and I have my alarm set to go off to NPR in the morning, and so sometimes I'll wake up and go, why was I dreaming about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict? And then I'll realize that NPR has like wormed its way into my brain. So the phone rings at five, and I pick it up, and it's my sister, and she said, did you just hear that? And I sort of rewound my little mental tape and said, 
did Sarah Palin just get the VP nomination? Is this possible? And she said, yes. And so like everybody else, I was sort of in shock a little bit. And then I thought about my tribe. And I thought, well, maybe some of them aren't from Alaska. And maybe some of them have questions. She's probably not very well known outside the state. So I went downstairs in my, in my pajamas. Yes, I blog in my pajamas. And um, so I sat down and I thought, well, what would people like to know? They might like to know about Anwar and polar bears and and Troopergate was happening at that time that whole big conflict and you remember Frank Bailey and the phone call that where he pressured the troopers to fire the brother-in-law so all this was happening and I thought nobody probably knows this so I just sort of sat down and did a big brain dump and then I went and I made myself some eggs and then I came back and I sat down and I clicked my little statistics button and I had over 6,000 reads in the time that it took me to make eggs so I realized right away, and by the end of the day, it was 60,000. So I realized that this was going to be something I'd be doing a lot of, and my wonderful husband said, I think you need to take a couple months off from the store. I'll handle those things. Just keep writing. And so I would get comments now, and I would see questions, and so I would answer the question, and that would be my next blog post. And this went on, and so I basically became just churning out what people wanted to know about Sarah Palin, and I would throw other things in there as well. Um, and so then my numbers started going from 60,000 to 100,000 to 200,000, and one day in September, 367,000 people read this post that I, that I wrote. And so then people started saying, well, who is this anonymous blogger? You know, and of course, right, I'm not thinking of myself as anonymous. Why would I put my name on something that nobody was ever going to read that was just this silly little thing? But it became an issue. And I started writing about other things and offended some people on my own side, committed the cardinal sin of calling out those on your own team for bad behavior. So one of them, who was a Democratic legislator, decided that you know, this anonymous blogger needed to be dealt with and that people should have to put their names by their opinions and, and all of this. And so he went on a mission to figure out who I was. I'm sitting in my living room going, really? Wow, okay. <laughs> so he eventually did figure out who I was and I got this email that said, you know, tomorrow you will be outed. And I thought, holy cow, this is bad. So he eventually did in his e-newsletter, and I spent a couple days with my pillow over my head and went through a whole bunch of trauma, decided to sort of, you know, keep going. And eventually I got another uh, email from a reader of mine who was an author, and he said, I'm writing this book, I'm co-authoring this book about Sarah Palin, and I want you in on it. And I thought, well, that's sort of exciting. You know, what's the story there? And he goes, well, it, my co-author is somebody that you may know. His name is Frank Bailey. So I've spent like a couple months sort of eviscerating Frank Bailey on my blog. And I said, there's no way that he's going to want to meet with me. And he said, no, 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 just go have coffee. And I said, all right. So I got a phone call. Is this Jeannie? Yeah. You once called me the second most infamous Frank in Alaska politics. <laughs> so I figured out who it was. We had coffee. I met him, I met his wife, and we talked for a long time. They were lovely people, but I still thought there's no way on opposite ends of the political spectrum that we're ever going to work together. Turns out he calls me back and says, you know what? I talked to my wife, and we had a really nice meeting with you, and we would love for you to be in on this project. 
And my inelegant response was, really? Why? <laughs> and he said, the thing that clinched it for us, and we talked about this long and hard, but the thing that really clinched it for us was the fact that you were able to call out people on your own side. And it told us that you weren't a partisan hack and that you were able to stand back and objectively find something that you thought was wrong and talk about it. I thought, that is amazing. The thing that had happened that caused sort of my world to fall out from under me for three days with my pillow over my head was actually the opportunity that gave me this amazing experience. And the least amazing part was the next six months that I spent reading Sarah Palin's emails, which I have to tell you is kind of makes your brain bleed. But I survived that as well. And so we wrote the book, and the book ended up getting on the New York Times bestseller list, and it all had a happy ending. And I got to thinking with the theme, you know, rolling the dice and going rogue, that I sort of feel a little bit like a fraud up here because I didn't know. The lesson that I took from this is sometimes you're rolling the dice and you have no idea that you're rolling the dice. <laughs> and sometimes you tell the truth and you have no idea you're going rogue. So the best that you can do is sort of take the consequences as fate hands them and decide what you're going to do with them. So thank you. <laughs>